we went in at 25 weeks they did a scan and again you've got another poor stenographer who's can't say anything so she scans then scans the other baby and quickly goes out and I looked at John and I said she's gone isn't she and he just nodded his head and I just lost it (laughs) it's kind of one of those things you're anticipating um but when it actually happens it's just it really rocks you it's just a really raw tough feeling to be told yep that other baby that you've been feeling kick in your belly and has had a heartbeat all this long and you think maybe something's going to change or like there's going to be a miracle um she's not there anymore she's gone yeah i'm megan armstrong welcome to life six feet above Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles, and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Kelly's story. So today I am joined by my good friend, Kelly Henderson. And again, one of the people that I know in the community through fitness, we go way back to when I first moved here. Um, My first job was at Flywheel. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining the Six Feet Above podcast. So excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. And it's funny because I always do like a pre-interview with people. Um, and we usually, I meet for coffee and want to meet, you know, in person and, and just kind of hear about their story. And I remember when I launched season one, you were just so supportive and so encouraging and you always been supportive no matter what I've done in my life. So I, I want to thank you for that. Absolutely. But unfortunately we had to do a FaceTime <laughs> call because everything went down uh-huh. and the world shut down in March. Yeah. And I just wanted to wait until we could meet again face to face to do the actual recording. I just think there's something about like being in the room with somebody and, you know, if you have to do it over Zoom or you have to do it um, with Squadcast, there's this thing that they do for podcasting, totally fine. But I, in my heart, I wanted to wait and like see you and see that little pregnant little belly. I love everything in person. So that is like everything. I'm like, when can we get back to being face to face? Um, Safely, obviously, but I feel exactly the same way. There's just something about being with people and that human connection. And that's what a lot of us have been missing the last three or four months. And it's just, I think it's just easier to talk to people in person there's you know you feel the energy of the other person and it's hard to get that through a FaceTime or through a Zoom call so Mm -hmm. here we are we're here here we are so tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from sure what do you do okay (laughs) here we go Mm, could be so many things um so my name is Kelly like you mentioned and I am from Boca Raton Florida originally I have been in Atlanta for about almost 13 years now After graduating from University of Florida, I moved here 
And I've had a couple careers since then. Um, I guess I'm not meant to be a 30 year person in one career. Um, God's taken me a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a teacher. I have been a fitness studio manager. That's how we got to know each other at Flywheel. And now I am a preschool director. Where? Where do you? So I'm a preschool director in Roswell. Okay. Yes. And you do you live up there? I do. Got I it. live in Roswell. Mm-hmm. So tell me about growing up in, in Boca Raton because we're we're from pretty much opposite sides <laughs> of this country. Yes. Homer is a little far uh, from Boca. Homer is real cold. <laughs> real cold. Boca's real warm. Yeah. Um, and real salty. Yeah. Uh, the people sometimes <laughs> are on the salty side. Um, growing up in Boca was incredible and also a little bit sheltering. Mm. So I think, you know, you and I kind of talked about this. Um, Boca is a beautiful city in South Florida. It's about 45 minutes north of Miami. And if anybody hears the word Boca, usually it's in the um, context of it's where people go to retire. So it's a beautiful coastal town, um, great place to grow up, great place to have a family, but it's definitely a little sheltering. You are not super aware of some things going on in the world unless the people raising you make a valiant effort to expose you to different things going on in the world. So like very white Christian or is it more about race, religion or just like so much that just more about privilege in general. Mm, Um, You're seeing a lot of nice new cars when people turn 16, very lavish birthday parties at a young age. It is definitely a um, see and be seen kind Mm. of feeling growing up. While it's a great place to raise a family, it's definitely a place that will make you feel like you constantly are looking for more. Like keeping up with the Joneses a little bit? It's very much keeping up with the Joneses. Who got this first? Who has this? It's, um, yeah, it's kind of a... Did you feel that pressure growing up, like in high school or... I did. And, you know, my parents did an awesome job of really kind of exposing me to this is not just Mm. the real world. This is where you live and it's a great place, but this is not quite reality. So they did a really good job. My dad's office was in Fort Lauderdale. So he um, was always bringing my sister and I down there so we could kind of experience where his warehouse was. Um, But as far as Boca goes, it was... Yeah, it was it was it could be a tough place to grow up if you felt like you didn't have the newest purse or the newest um, whatever it was. Right, right. Mm -hmm. What did your parents do? So my mom wrote for the paper. Oh, she was cool. wrote for the Sun Sentinel for many years in South Florida. We're going to have 18 year olds listening and be like, what, what's, wait, a what's a paper? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, you know, um, publication <laughs> printed on <laughs> every day, every day came to your house. Yep. And then my dad owned a circuit board company and he owned that company for 30 years and he was the president of the company. He um, took it over from my grandfather and okay. built it into three or four other businesses um, and sold it ultimately when we went to college. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Are they still working now? Or are, in, are they still in Boca? <laughs> They're no longer in Boca. <laughs> um, when I moved to Atlanta and then my sister shortly followed, my parents uh, were very excited to make a change and move from South Florida to be close to us. Family is always super important. Yeah. And I think a part of them staying behind just didn't feel right. They wanted to kind of be in our lives as we got married and had children. So sure. they live in Alpharetta, Georgia now. Okay. Yeah. And you have a sister. And I have a sister. Yep. yep. She's three years younger younger Jamie and so she lives in Roswell now also she just made the big suburban move from Midtown um, to Roswell about a year ago and I work with her husband so we are very involved with each other family (laughs) yes very involved so let me ask you about you know 
and this is something we actually didn't talk about because Mm -hmm. it wasn't a thing at the time. Um, this whole privilege, right? We are both white females and we come from really nice families Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, looking back, I'm like, I, I never struggled. I still will never have to struggle. My parents will always make sure that I'm taken care of no matter mm-hmm. how old I am. I would imagine that's kind of the same for you. Yeah. With your family. And, uh, but I feel like my parents did such a good job to not necessarily like culture me, but to just teach me that no matter who someone is, where they come from, what they look like, what religion they are, human beings are just human beings and no one's Mm -hmm. any better or worse than, than you are. Is that kind of how you were brought up too? Yeah. My parents are, they're just, they're really phenomenal. Um, they, they were just so involved in my life. And I think that involvement and being a part, it made me have conversations with them growing up. It made me trust them with what was going on in my life. Um, especially, you know, up until college, I would say, Um, it was just a great environment in that they really did make sure we knew a lot of things that were going on in the world and they, they didn't try to shelter us. Right. right. Um, and yeah, it's, this is like, this is such a tough time right now. Um, you know, I love that you do your podcast. Everybody who speaks on it is only an expert in their own story, basically. So nobody's here to be giving advice or whatnot, but they're experts in what they've experienced. So um, I love that we're in a time where people are going through so much and they're super isolated and they are isolated from COVID. And now we are isolated if we don't agree with each other on certain things. Um, So it's so great that you're talking about having people on and talking about how we can kind of work together to sit down and be face to face and why like human interaction is so important. And I don't think, you know, we don't have to agree with each other. We're never Mm -hmm. going to, but I think once we understand the way someone is, it's like, Oh, okay. There's less judgment. There's more Mm -hmm. compassion. There's more grace. And and your faith is very big. Was that growing up or was that a newer thing now that you're older and married or um, I, faith has always been a part of has our it? lives. Okay. Um, as far as how close it was, it has waned over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's super close. But when we were little, we were very brought up in the church, super involved in our youth group in high school. Um, you could count on us to be at church pretty much almost every Sunday. Our yeah. church was like a five minute drive from our house. Yeah. And even if my dad would be yelling at me to get in the car, we'd make it even if we were right. a couple minutes late. So right. he, they really did a good job of keeping us grounded in our faith. So it sounds like, you know, growing up throughout uh, high school, at least, it was kind of smooth sailing, right? Yeah. Never really had a lot of drama or any sort of mental health struggles yourself. But we got in, you got into college mm-hmm. and you were in a relationship that kind of turned very toxic and yeah. I, I want you as much as you're willing to talk about that. Sure. Um, cause I think that kind of sets the precedent for, you know, the, the big thing that we're going to get to yes. with, with your husband now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing I would say with my parents, my parents are high school sweethearts. Mm. Mine are too. So, I mean, you have high school, like sweetheart parents and that's amazing, uh-huh. but whoa, they what, don't get it. what like a pillar to live yes, up to. Yes. You feel like you better, I didn't, you know, I I had a high school boyfriend. Well, he wasn't going to be the one. Well, I better find one in college Mm. and we have to be married all these years. It's just this kind of 
they never wanted that for me. They just wanted me to be happy. But part of me wanted is that a southern thing that love like the, high school like sweethearts? The, no, like the go to college to find somebody. Uh, I f- probably. <laughs> I mean, SEC girl here. I, I feel like a lot of people are looking. What do they call it? The MRS. The degree. MRS degree. I've heard yeah, of that. there's definitely some of that so going on. When I moved on. to the south, I'm like, wait, what is that? Why is mean? everyone what, married? What, yeah, why is everyone married <laughs> so at 24? Whoa. Yeah. So I think going into college, I maybe in subconsciously in the back of my mind, I went in kind of thinking I needed to meet my person while I was doing my four years in college, sure, while I was sure. there to get a great education and meet lots of people and have this whole new experience. I really was thinking like, I gotta, I gotta come out of this with my, my partner right. in life. Right. Yeah. So I'd been, um, I went to university of Florida, go Gators. Yes. Um, get it, get it. Gators. Um, just, that was where I was always going to go. My parents yeah. also both went there. So a lot of following mm, in footsteps. Lots, my to uncle live up went to. there. Yeah. Very family oriented, like wasn't allowed to apply to Florida state. It was not <laughs> even an option. Um, even if it was a great school, it's just like, you can't go there. Nope. Nope, not allowed. <laughs> so went to University of Florida and had a great freshman year, but it was I joined a sorority. I started to pay more attention to how I dressed mm. and how I looked. So I didn't think in Boca, it was, you could be, you could kind of be casual and beachy and the sorority made me start to kind of wonder about like my hair and my makeup. And I ultimately went blonde. Like I was pretty brunette in high school. Right. So I started to find myself worrying about what I looked like and working out more and wanting yeah. to fit in. And then also like trying to meet the right person to right. be with. Right. Yeah. So all the yeah. external, all the external pressures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I would say this was a time where I wasn't especially connected to God. I wasn't going to church. I was just very caught up in my new world right. and all the experiences that a college student, there's just so many new inputs. Yeah. Which you've I, got new friends, yeah. you've got, you're learning new things. You're living alone for the first time. Like, yeah. how do I feed myself? Yeah. Totally just, normal things for females, yes. especially females. Yeah. To fresh, go anybody going off to college mm-hmm. listening, like just give yourself grace during this time. And know that you're good enough. You're good enough. Yeah. And there's a lot of learning to yeah. do and just take it day by day. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So I met um, my boyfriend sophomore year and he was somebody who had gone to my high school. Mm. And so that, you know, going back to like my parents, oh, okay, here's this guy from my high school and he was very well known in Mm. high school. I knew his sister. We had some similar friends, some commonalities back home. I'm thinking, this is so great. This is this guy from where I grew up. We're going to see each other when we're home on Christmas break and Thanksgiving and summer. This like, this must be it. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a a safety net too, right? Yeah. Just something about someone who's familiar. Familiar, You kind of already know some things about him. It makes you trust them a little bit more Mm -hmm. and, think that this is going to be a yeah. really good fit yeah yes so <laughs> that it was not <laughs> it was not ultimately uh yeah sorry to flip to the end of the book <laughs> yeah. it was not so as you and I kind of talked about this relationship ultimately it lasted for four years mm-hmm. so it lasted most of my college experience and part of me can look back and look at and almost cut my college experience in half I can look at all the good things And then I look at this relationship Mm -hmm. and it's almost like I compartmentalize this relationship so I can focus on the positive parts of college Mm -hmm. because this relationship really over the course of the years, like sophomore year, junior year, senior year, and then my grad, ultimately my year in grad school before I moved to Atlanta, I kind of slowly became a shell of my former who I was. Mm. 
I've always been super involved in everything. Like I'm a, the yes girl, like, yes, I want to try that. Yes, I'll do your book club. Yes, I'll play table tennis. Right. Like Whatever it is, I wanted to experience yeah. it. Um, and this person really stifled a lot of that for me. He, um, he really made me feel less than. Mm. He, old, oh, over time, it really turned into an emotionally abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really questioned who I was. I didn't see myself as a good person, a good girlfriend, a good friend, a good daughter because of the inputs I was getting from this person verbally. Right, right. So looking back, you know, everything's 2020. Mm -hmm. Was there a point while you were in this relationship that you started thinking like, this isn't me because, and I'm, I'm just comparing, I've never had Mm -hmm. this situation, but I'm comparing it to my years of depression. Um, it took me a really long time to look in the mirror and be like, there's something, there's something wrong here. You know, it, 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 you don't see it while you're in it. Mm -hmm. Was that for you? The same kind of thing? Yeah. you You really, you really don't see it while you're in it. You really start to believe this narrative that is spoken over your life when you give a person who is ultimately really toxic power over right. your thoughts right. and who you are. And I really did that for the, I let this person really kind of ruin me and I wasn't seeing myself clearly anymore because right. I didn't know who I was anymore. And that goes with, with business and, and, yes. and work and school. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so easy to get caught up in something that when you look back and you get out of it, you're like, wow, why did I spend so yeah. much time in this tough yeah. negative place? Yeah. Um, I would say it was senior year. He ended up spending a semester and he was two years older than me doing law school. Um, he ended up spending a semester back in Boca and I had my senior fall just me. Mm. And there were lots of, um, my poor roommate who's still one of my best friends. I love you, Margo. Um, I still had, she had to experience lots of phone calls where I was in my bed crying because I was just being talked down to so much and being told not to go out and not to talk to this person. And, lots of awful names that I won't say here, but so controlling, so controlling and just so manipulative. Um, yeah. And that was when I started to realize I, I was having a good time when I wasn't physically around that person. Right, but when right. the person was physically in my space, I would, it's almost like my, my glasses would get foggy yeah. again. So I had a great senior spring or senior fall. And then he returned, um, to Gainesville, my senior spring. So I'm about to kind of finish up my undergraduate career. Um, had had this great fall, great football season. (laughs) Um, always important. Always important. It was just a really fun one. And again, once he was back, it was like, I kind of lost myself again. I was not spending very many nights at home or, you know, where I was supposed to be staying. I was, being told I couldn't go to my sorority socials uh, because you have boyfriend, you can't do those things. And I, you can't, we're not going to hang out with your friends. We're going to hang out with mine and we're going to do it this way. And um, you know, you're such a terrible girlfriend because this, that, or the other. And, and again, I try to understand other people Mm -hmm. now a lot. And obviously there was something going on in his life or the way he was raised or Mm -hmm. he had no self-confidence or he was threatened not to say that Mm -hmm. what he did was right or an excuse but now looking back it's like okay that really didn't have a lot to do with me yeah absolutely Uh, and and what he did you know was on him Mm -hmm. right it it affected you of course but 
everyone's got to be responsible for their own life Absolutely. at some point. Mm-hmm. And it, did your parents kind of see it or did they yeah. say anything? And they were kind of like the silent prayer warriors in mm. the background. And I really still appreciate this about them to this day. They never, they you know, they quietly started to, to say, you know, this is not right. You, you're, we're losing you here, yeah. but they never pushed. They let me ultimately find my way out of the relationship myself, which, which is what I needed to do because if they had tried to do it themselves, right. I would still be resenting right. them. So um, once I went to grad school um, and he was still in Gainesville doing law school, that was kind of the year where everything finally hit ahead. And I just was so lonely and yeah. sad in my own feelings. And ultimately, like looking back, like I was depressed because yeah. I was you know, repressed, like who I was, I wasn't able to be. And, um, so I ultimately, finally, we were able, I still, I moved to Atlanta, still dating this person. Really? Yes. So we needed physical distance to take a break and get out of the relationship. So So it took a really long time. (laughs) Let's talk about, and and maybe you can't exactly pinpoint Mm -hmm. it. So I don't know, you know, you let me know, but I think people that are listening that are Mm -hmm. in this situation, yes, right? That they know it's not good. They know it's toxic, mm-hmm. but they don't, it's not that they don't have the courage. They just, they don't know what to do. They yeah. don't know how to escape. And sometimes like you can be incredibly lonely and, and married or dating or, or, yes. you know, in an amazing job and still be lonely and mm-hmm. all these things that should actually um, make you feel better. Don't. Yeah. And so you start to actually feel worse about it. You're like, mm-hmm. here's this guy that looks great from the outside. Mm-hmm. Most girls would kill to be with him. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. here I am internal inside my head, you know, second guessing is yeah. should someone treat me like this. And ultimately a lot of women are like, yeah, I'm going to have to put up with this because yeah. this or is the type of guy kind of I what want, I deserve. It, yeah. what I deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then there's that fear of you almost get so used to how you're being treated, yeah. which is so terrible that you wouldn't, that you would deny yourself something better. But if you're not looking to make a change, you will just, you'll stay where you are yeah. and you ultimately won't give yourself the allowance to look for something better yeah. and to realize that it's going to be okay on the other side of this. Yes. You will like your life is going to move forward yeah. and great things are ahead, but it's going to take work, but it takes work. And yeah. that goes with mental health as well. Uh huh. And I knew this relationship needed to be over for a while. I think we both did. Like it was, you know, talking about how things were on him. Like there is, I have so much empathy for him because I know he had a lot of things going on and he put a lot of pressure on himself to be the best. Um, and I've, I saw this person recently and, you know, we had, we had a great fine conversation. Like we're both married, we have children and it's nice to look back retrospect. And I asked him when I saw him, I said, are we okay? And he's like, we're okay. And I was like, yeah, we are. Um, so I I can look back and have a lot of empathy and major forgiveness because people are always going through things. And although I didn't deserve to be treated the way I did, we, we all deserve second chances. Sure. We all deserve to get a chance to move forward. And any 20 year old is going to go through some life lessons oh, in the next yes. few years. Let me tell you that. Ooh, Let yes. me tell you that. All the things. Might take a little bit longer. <laughs> might take a few more years like myself, but right. ultimately you're going to get out of it and yeah. it's going to be so worth it. It's so, so worth it because there's good things waiting for you on 100%. the other side. Yeah. So, so the move to was, Atlanta was the big turning point. So for you me. just, you got to a point where like, I don't want to live 
I physically can't be near him, mm-hmm. but I'm not quite sure how to break up with yeah, him. Yeah, I was really worried that if I stayed kind of in the state of Florida or nearby while he was still finishing school, I was I was looking for a teaching job. I had finished my master's in education and I was going into an elementary ed degree and I had some friends that moved to Atlanta. So I kind of quietly explored the idea of moving to Atlanta. I thought this is five hours away from mm-hmm. Gainesville, something new. I think I had visited Atlanta during my grad school year. I think it was for the SEC championship. Okay. And I thought that's kind of when the idea started cooking. I was like, I physically need to move myself somewhere else so I can clear my head and start fresh. So what happened once you got here? Yeah. So I moved here. I had a really <laughs> good friend from my sorority um, who I got to move in with and I kind of got to start over it's like I had all these good experiences in college but it was almost it was time for like a new fresh start Mm -hmm. a new life you're starting your career um you're finished with college which is also a crazy time we should call like the year you graduate college also like mini like real life because you're almost not in the real world yet right it's kind of crazy when you you get your first job and you're like oh I have a little bit of money and I'm alone again and I'm in a new place and wow this is all over again with no you know it's exciting but it's terrifying because it's terrifying you're still really young you're still really young 23 I'm still you don't know uh, too much at 23 right god I I feel for the seniors this year oh yes oh man such big life changes and so much going on in the world at the same time so how long once you moved to Atlanta how Mm -hmm. long did it take for you to finally say we are done yeah it took until april Uh, so i moved here in summer 2017 and um i think it took until to uh april of 2018 went home one weekend to boca and uh there was a major thing that happened Mm. and ended up coming into my house seeing my mom just on the floor in tears like you can't do this anymore and it broke me it finally what my me staying in that relationship I finally realized the impact it was having on the people around me and how people wanted to be near me and they wanted me but they hadn't seen me for so long and I knew my family just really and I remember my sister's not like a super outright emotional Mm -hmm. person I remember her being like it's gotta end and so seeing the people that you cared the most about really finally showing you you got to get out. Yeah. That's when I said, okay, like yeah. I've started a new life. This, this has to end. Yeah. 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 Well, good for you. So that's, ultimately that's, a... that's kind of when things got started and it was, it was time for new things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how do you go from, cause that's got to create some sort of trauma, oh, right. Yeah. And, and, and almost a little bit scared to enter mm-hmm. another relationship. Yeah. But you did at some point. I did. And you met an amazing, amazing human I being. I did. He's and I will say, you know, in the interim, you kind of all of a sudden, sometimes <laughs> when one of these relationships ends, y'all, yeah, you feel really excited about your newfound freedom yeah. and how awesome, amazing you are for making this big decision. So give yourself some time right. and don't just, you know, try to, you know, went on lots of great dates and was looking for Mr. Right, but mm. I needed to give myself some time to find me again. Yes. So 100%. remember that a man or a woman or whoever your your partner for life is not a band-aid for anything you need to right. fix inside right. of yourself and first. They, they're not completing you yeah and it's not their job to fix you exactly. either yes exactly so, so you took some time I took some, some time fun. I had some fun and I got back into church uh-huh. um so that was 
finding kind of my church home in Atlanta was huge. Started going to Buckhead Church, which I know a lot of people here connected with and just started really getting kind of grounded in what I wanted going forward for my life. Yeah. 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 And then ultimately I met my husband soon, someday to be husband (laughs) about probably six months later. Wow. Yeah. So pretty quickly, probably maybe a little sooner than I thought. You know, yeah. everything happens you for a reason. You never know. And, you know, I didn't know necessarily who's going to be my husband at the time. But right, right. we met through mutual friends at a trivia night. Oh. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Did I was he there ask to, you out first? What happened? You no, know, no. I was there to meet somebody else. I was being <gasps> set up with somebody else. And I, I ultimately met John uh-huh. that night, uh-huh. John, John Henderson, and kind of thought about him and then ran into him again about a month later and... Kind of went up. I was kind of the one who went up and said, hey, like, kind of liked talking to you (laughs) that night we met. Perhaps we should hang out and went on a date from there. And that's kind of where we are today. Wow. Wow. (laughs) What does John do? John is a biomedical engineer. Oh, okay. I usually get lots of confused faces when yeah. I say that. Yeah, he... that's like when people say I'm in finance. I'm like, <laughs> that's all I need to know. <laughs> yes. Um, and John will always say, did you explain my job correctly? Because <laughs> it is it's much harder to explain than just being a teacher or, right. you know, right, whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, but he works in medical device trials. Okay. Yes. And he um, he went to Georgia Tech. So he's... And he just finished a master's in statistics. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so he's a real smart guy and does... A lot of work with data and tracking to see if certain devices are effective. And he works in heart failure specifically. Okay. Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. Good you, you know, again, I kind of see your, everyone's life is kind of like a little, like a wave, a little roller coaster, totally. right? Like you see these like little this pinpoints. High. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we only see the highs. Yeah. So at this point, you and I were working at Flywheel together. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, you are the type of person that that just exudes energy and happiness. Thanks. And um, <laughs> you know, I moved here knowing my family, my cousins, mm-hmm. and that's it. I had no friends, and I knew um, didn't even know my roommate really. <laughs> and uh, you're just so welcoming, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff happening at the job mm-hmm. that we were both at, and I think yeah. we kind of were drawn to each other because you know, we have a similar background, mm-hmm. and also I think we are good people yeah. at the foundation and, and positive yeah we're positive and, mm-hmm. and the, the negativity that was going on 100 yeah. so that's kind of where we met and um you know from the outside I'm like oh she's got this fiance mm-hmm. and everything looks great and y'all get married and you uh-huh. get pregnant so. and you, awesome. you have your first little boy <laughs> just soaking up each other's literally I'm like must be nice yeah you know yeah so we um you know I was teacher for seven years and then ultimately um had just the wonderful opportunity this was just like a great door being open to yeah. get to manage flywheel yeah. and Working at the Buckhead one part-time, this is goes back to me saying yes to everything. Yep. Like, let me teach and then work four to nine at Flywheel <laughs> in the afternoon so I can get a free membership right, and right. get a taste of something different. Exactly. Like, I just want to do all the things. Yeah. Yes, which which can sometimes be a big hindrance. Mm-hmm. I can get to that later. But um, ultimately end up as the manager um, of Flywheel at the Alpharetta location and was so great to get to know people like you through that experience who were positive and upbeat and just like poured their souls into making sure everyone had a great workout yeah. and getting to really know the people in our fitness community. Yeah. 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 That's really important to me, like really knowing people and making sure that they are known 
is always been the core of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And making people feel special. Yeah, yeah. And relationships are super important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, friendships. Like I will pour into the friendships that I plan to be friends with my entire life because I've decided those relationships matter. Yeah. And they're worth it. Mm-hmm. They're worth and they're it. worth it. Yeah. So I've, John and I dated for four years. We got engaged, um, not without hiccups on the way. You sure. know, John and I had sure. like a, a time where we broke up and got back together because he, he asked me the hard questions. He said, mm. do you want to be married or do you want to be married to me? Mm. And like, he really stopped and made me think. So my husband has always challenged me in a really good way. And not that he's so unsimilar from my former relationship because they do have similarities, yeah. but he is so much more the supporter and cheerleader and the logical like yin to my yang mm-hmm. that the other person never was able to be like doing things for the right reason. Not yeah. Because it looks yeah. good. And yeah. questioning you in a way that is because I love you and I support mm-hmm. you. And do you want to do that? Or is that the right choice? Not because it bothers me, but because is that right for you? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to start a family? Yeah. So we had been married, I think a year and, um, I, we, since we dated so long, I was we were both kind of gung ho. Yeah. Well, John, John was like, I knew when I proposed to you that like we were going to get on the roller coaster. That was That's the next what he thing. Says. He's like, <laughs> I knew he's like, he always says that, um, him proposing to me was the last big decision he was ever going to make alone. <laughs> that every decision from there was going to be a group thing. Yep. Yep. And he said he knew we were going to probably start to try to have a family right after we got married. So it took us about a year, um, but we got pregnant with Pace, okay. our firstborn. So sweet. Very like textbook pregnancy, felt great, um, working at Flywheel this whole time. I think I worked up until the day I went into yes, labor. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, it was just we had just opened the Alpharetta studio and I've got this big old belly <laughs> and Went home that night. John and I were going to go have some Italian food. And I said, I don't think we're going to have Italian food. (laughs) Went into the hospital. And the next day we had Pace. And he came on his due date. So that was just a really great time of life. Like the job was great. The pregnancy was great. We're super excited about this newborn we've welcomed into our home. Um, Still really newlyweds too. We'd only been married um, probably a little under two years when Pace was born. Okay. Yeah. And we made a big suburban move, which was probably the only minorly traumatic thing for me. I was not quite ready to leave my city life, Yeah, but uh, moved to Roswell and yeah, what was just started kind of this great life with our firstborn. Yeah. And (laughs) had you talked about having more kids at some point? Yeah. John and I had always kind of said, we're both from two. Okay. I've got a sister and he's got a sister and- I kind of always wanted three a little bit, but, uh-huh. but we're both really familiar with two. And John was very much like, I think I just want two children. So everything went well during mm-hmm. the pregnancy, post-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, Pace is healthy. Great boy. Great boy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Got lucky. Yep. So how really old fortunate. was he when you said, let's do this again? Yeah. Um, so it take it took us a while to make Pace. So I right. knew I didn't want to wait that long. It, it I think it, he was about, oh gosh, might be like a year and a half. Okay. He was about a year and a half when I said, let's go ahead and start working on, on the next two. one. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's work on number two. And <laughs> let me tell y'all, getting pregnant, there's nothing gl- <laughs> glamorous about that. There's nothing. Like, if you're really trying, yeah, it's oh. a lot of hard work. And yeah. it's 
it kind of takes out some of the fun. Right, the, right, the, right, What right. you think would be fun right. becomes not fun really quickly when you're really focused on a goal together. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's a big it's goal. It's business. Yeah. It kind of yep. reminds me of friends with uh, Monica when they were trying to get pregnant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but ultimately, uh, we get blessed and we find out we're pregnant again. Mm. Um, and I think Pace was probably about two at this point or getting close to being two. So not only were you pregnant again, mm-hmm. but you were pregnant with twins. Yes. So we went in for our first ultrasound and we found there they were moving the little thing across my belly and oh, there's one and oh, there's another one. There's two heartbeats. <laughs> So, um, you know, and John came to all the appointments with me and I remember just looking at him like, oh gosh, what, he's going to think I did this on purpose. I didn't do it. Oh gosh. Wait, did twins run he's in like, your family? No, okay. not at okay. all. They or his really family don't. Or... Not his family wow. either. There's no like linkage to that really at all. So, so initial, was what was your initial wow. like? Oh my gosh, shock. shock. Yeah, shock. And and a little bit of excitement from me initially because I thought I kind of wanted three and I thought this was going to be the only way we Mm -hmm. would get three Mm -hmm. because um, I thought, and John said, he's like, well, you're getting three. Yeah. You're going to have three kids. So we kind of, we go home and we start to get our ideas together and our heads around having three children and being a family of five. Like that's just, you go from playing man to zone defense really quickly and and really quickly. Like these two are going to be here and it's just going to be quickly life changing. And they're yeah. both girls. Yes. So we go for our next appointment. Um, and we weren't really telling too many people about the pregnancy at right. this point. We, I think we told some people we were pregnant, but hadn't revealed twins yet. We right. had probably planned to do a really fun reveal yeah. for yeah. twins. Hey, there's two. What's the sex? Well, two of this or <laughs> one of this, one of that. And we go to our next appointment around 11 weeks. And the ultrasound technician is scanning first baby looks great goes Mm -hmm. to the other one scans okay there's the heartbeat and then just kind of loses her cool and Mm -hmm. immediately says hmm starts measuring things and something's not right yeah she takes us through the back door to the doctor's office and basically puts john and i in two chairs and says, wait here, the doctor will be with you shortly. Which is like so, all the thoughts going yeah, through your mind, and right? and I really, I feel for stenographers because they're not really supposed to tell you anything about what they see. It's supposed right. to be a doctor that right. delivers anything sure. medical. Um, but she lost her cool for sure. And so John and I are looking at each other. I'm like, what is it? Like, what's wrong with the baby? Like, there was a heartbeat. What's going on? And, you know, it just all these fears fill yeah. your head yeah. um, really quickly. And the other person's experiencing that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a little differently than you are. The fears are hitting them in a different way. And you're about to be experiencing something traumatic right. together, but also differently. Right. So ultimately, we find out we are pregnant with two baby girls. Mm. And one of them has some fluid behind her head. And they think that this could be an indication that she might not make it to birth. So there was a second heartbeat. Yes. She just saw mm-hmm. something that was concerning. She saw something concerning. that was concerning for okay. the growth of okay. the baby. Okay. Yes. So our doctor tells us that we could be looking at Down syndrome. We could be looking at another genetic abnormality. We could be looking at a heart that's not going to form correctly, but we don't know ultimately. So sends us to get some blood work testing Mm -hmm. done. We go to genetic specialists. They kind of give us the lowdown on what might be happening. 
it's a lot of information yeah. for one day. Yeah. Yeah. Very overwhelming. I remember John and I just kind of looking at each other like, okay, we're going to get through this together. Right. Like whatever it is, like whatever is to come for these two babies, we're, we're going to be in this together. Yeah. And you're just suddenly faced with all these unknowns. You've yeah. got the excitement highs of this. We're having twins too. We might lose one of these twins right. or our life might look super different with these two twins. So what did the next trimester look like? Yeah. So it looked like a lot of doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my husband did not miss a single one. Mm-hmm. So I've really got a partner with this and we are we're going to the doctor every week or every two weeks and you just wake up every morning thinking like do I still have two in me is yeah. that a, is that a unfair question yeah you d- you kind of wake up wondering like what's the day gonna bring yeah. um who when somebody says you know you start to show and right. when you're pregnant twins you start to show really quickly right especially when you had one so you have to kind of before. decide yeah who are you talking to about what's going on like is it Joe at the grocery store right. like do I need to unload on him right now he doesn't need my baggage (laughs) but like your best friends and who are you talking to who's who's praying for you like who's in your circle um we were really fortunate during that time to just have a lot of great family and friends who were just covering us in prayer um and support and just so there for us we just had so many people do a lot of touching things for us Mm -hmm. during this time that will i've written down because that will just it means so much to me forever to go through this kind of crazy thing in your life you don't think you're going to go through and then the way people show up for you is just it's just shows you how amazing people are it's a little gratitude book yeah in the worst of times exactly it's really cool um to see your good people so at what point did you find out something was severely wrong yeah uh, they the tests all came back clear but we continue to go for ultrasounds and they continue to tell us that things are not progressing very great with the other baby um her name is hope um, so you have named you named, named them at her this point? we have not named the other baby okay. other baby okay. looks great and we're kind of putting our focus on hope right now right. and i i just looked at my husband one day i was like her name's hope and he's like absolutely Aww. like it was just it was just kind of one of those things that this is just what her name was meant to be. Um, So we kind of go and see Hope and our other little baby every week or, and we kind of see, we kind of basically watch her die. So it's very heavy. Um, And John didn't miss an appointment because you don't know when you're going to be told that that baby's not there anymore. And he never wanted me to be alone to find out she didn't have a heartbeat anymore. So I'm sorry. Um, at what week was that? So ultimately at our 25 week ultrasound, we went in and they did, and they always started, they would always scan hope first and mm. the other baby was, you know, we'd always be checking on her right, too to right, see of course. if there was any impact. Um, we were always kind of watching the relationship between the two mm-hmm. babies to make sure the other baby wasn't affected. And by the grace of God, they were fraternal twins, so they were not sharing a placenta and they were not sharing a sac. Um, so kind of what Hope was going through did not impact our yeah. other little girl. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, her the blood flow in her heart was backing up and it didn't it wasn't flowing correctly. So we went in at 25 weeks. They did a scan. And again, you've got another right. poor sonographer. Right. Who's, 
can't say anything. So she scans, then scans the other baby and quickly goes out. And I looked at John and I said, she's gone, isn't she? And he just nodded his head and I just lost it. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things you're anticipating. Um, but when it actually happens, it's just, it really rocks you. It's just a really raw, tough feeling to be told, yep, that other baby that you've been feeling kick in your belly and has had a heartbeat all this long and you think maybe something's going to change or yeah. like there's going to be a miracle. Um, she's not there anymore. She's gone. Yeah. So at that point you leave, you go home and mm -hmm. you have to go to term. Right? Yeah, yeah, and with, I got to be a mom, and I got to go to work. Um, still managing the fitness her, studio. Correct? Yes, and I have to carry both twins. Mm -hmm. So we, again, I continue to be monitored, and that's also hard because now we're going in and we're just scanning one baby. Right. And so those those appointments get more and more depressing. And you're um, reminded of, of reminded hope every, every time. time. And yeah. I'm kind of like, is she still like, how's she doing? And you know, she's still in there. Like, what's birth gonna be right. like? Um, luckily Northside hospital has an incredible program called Heartstrings. Okay. Um, and I got linked up pretty early with one of the, um, bereavement nurses there. And she had a sister who lost a twin at birth. So wow. she was just super sensitive to yeah. us. Shout out to Carol <laughs> at Northside, Carol Shetley. She's awesome. Um, and she just really like gently walked us through like what we might experience over the next couple months. And helped prepare us for delivery sure. as well. Sure. Yeah. So but it's a weird thing because you lose one baby, you would ultimately be induced into labor. Um, but here I am, I have one healthy baby. So this, you just kind of have to keep going until gosh. you go into labor. But I, we ultimately um, induced at 37 weeks. They kind of didn't want me to go too far past that. Um, Hope's placenta was starting to kind of leak a little bit. Mm. So they were worried that that could impact the whole pregnancy. Sure, yeah, sure. But other baby girl was super healthy. Um, never had any complications. We went in trying to not have a C-section. Mm. Ultimately had to have a C-section. Yeah. Um, didn't have one with pace. So that was another, it was quite a crazy just labor. Um, yeah. you know, I, I ultimately, I remember looking at John cause they, they like, they let you decide, which is great. Right. It's your body. And right. they say, okay, it's not looking like it's going to progress the way we need it to. We're thinking it's time to do a C-section. I remember looking at my husband and I said, let's get that baby girl out. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. her heartbeat steady right now. Let's get her out, um, healthy. And so we quickly were whisked off to the OR and then Shelby was born. Shelby. Yes, I love that girl. name. Yes, sweet girl. Yes, so Shelby came, um, and she's a joy, just a complete joy, and so feisty. I yeah. always say she's definitely got the strength of two. Aww. She's always got her little her little sister Hope like behind her in her in her corner. She's 1, just percent the most like little independent. Um, just she's just her own little person. Yeah. She's so much fun, and her brother just thinks she's the best thing ever too. So you leave the hospital with one. Yeah, I leave the hospital with one. And we we did hold I was gonna um, ask hope. You. Okay. Yeah, and this is like a thing that I don't can know be if people hard talk for about people. This. Yeah, I don't think people talk about this. Okay. Like it's just did kind you, of one of those weird things. Did you see her? Yeah, we did, and it was something we had to decide ahead of time. Yeah. We didn't, I mean, we could have waited to decide. Some people do more, like some people spend more time. Mm -hmm. Some people will ask not to see it all, but yeah. Carol um, from Heartstrings kind of walked us through all our options and 
John and I decided together like what we wanted to do yeah. and we saw we decided we wanted to see her um like we wanted to know that who she was and that she was here mm-hmm. and kind of really it, it just wouldn't have felt real if we hadn't both held right. her yeah right. right so we did um and then after kind of spent some time with both them we turned our attention to Shelby sure yeah, and but I'm so glad we did. I have no regrets about the way we did it. Um, I would have I would have always felt a little lost had we not held not her. her. It just wouldn't yeah. have seemed real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how do you celebrate life and then mourn mm-hmm. death at the same time? Yeah, it's True. such a crazy right? thing to try to do those two things at once. I, I talk about this often with people. I said it's it's really hard. You go home and you're so excited. You have a brand new baby. But everybody who knows you and is in your circle knows you're also mourning the right. loss of a baby that's not right. there. So it's like overshadowing. Yeah. Kind of. And people sometimes will say the wrong things. Yeah. And it's not it's not their fault. They don't know what to say. Nobody knows what to say in grief when people lose somebody or something doesn't go to plan or a baby. Yeah. People don't know what to say. And there were a couple things that were said like, well, at least you have one and things like that. And people don't mean bad. I always like give people so much grace because I'm given grace every single day. But it is one of those things where you're, you're kind of dealing with like, yeah, I do still have one and I am so fortunate. Right. Like I still have my baby girl and I have my son, but like we did lose one and right. it is a major loss. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell people that have a friend or a family member that are going through this type yeah. of loss? Would hmm. you, what do you say? Or you just say, I love you. I support you and whatever Absolutely. you need. Absolutely. I just had so many good girlfriends who just, it would be like a text every week. Like, how are you feeling? Or like, how's it going? Um, you during and after, yeah. Um, did you tell people, I'm sorry, let's back up. Mm -hmm. Did you tell anyone at that 25 week point that you had lost one? Yeah. Everybody who kind of was with us tracking what was happening with the pregnancy, like our family members and our close friends, we let them know that we had lost um, her at that point. Cause I didn't know until you did a Mm -hmm. a very beautiful Facebook post. Yes. And Um, it really took a long time to even kind of put that out there, put that out there. And even when Shelby was born, it was hard to put out there. Right. Right. Yeah, we we did ultimately decide that we wanted to kind of share what we were going through because it's really awkward every day at work when you have this huge belly. Like I'm pregnant with twins. (laughs) And then even my belly got a little smaller towards the end too. So it's kind of one of those things where you want people to know, but like you don't want you don't want to burden people with your grief if they're not like your super close right. friends. Right. Um there was we had enough weight to carry like the heaviness yeah. for us. Yeah. Um but I also I knew this is kind of why you do your podcast, Megan. Like if we don't share these stories, like yes. somebody who's going through something similar is going to feel alone. They're going to so, feel alone. They're going to feel like they did something wrong. Oh, They're going to totally. feel like it's their mm-hmm. fault that, that there's there's karma, you yeah. know, all of these things, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What other sort of emotions did you go through after? Did you did you see anyone? Did you go to counseling? That's a great question. Um I think it's one of those things John and I wished we did sooner. Mm-hmm. We tried to handle it on our own, um really turning our attention to the kids and Shelby was little when she was born cuz she was a little bit um born out she was 5 pounds. Okay. 11 ounces. So she was a petite baby. Yeah. So I kind of turned and she, <laughs> she did not sleep like her brother, <laughs> feisty little thing. Um, so there was a lot of nights where I was up holding her and sure. really kind of, and then going back to work, you're just really trying to make it. Yeah. Um, the yeah. transition to one to two is difficult. 
so for a long time, like I just, we were kind of putting the kids first and not putting our marriage first, mm-hmm. not putting the grief we were going mm-hmm. through. Um, yeah. We had a lot of wise counsel and really great. We were both in great men's and women's groups through a ministry. Okay. And ultimately around September when we, we lost her in September, September 19th, when we found out she didn't have a heartbeat. Sure, sure. So that's kind of, we call that hope's birthday in yeah. heaven. Shelby kind of has her own birthday. Like hope was, hope had already I gone. love that. Yeah. Hope was already born. Yeah. yeah. So she was already seated with Jesus. And Aww. to us, that was the time to kind of celebrate both of them together. We, we ultimately baptized Shelby around that time okay. and then also did kind of a celebration for hope. Beautiful. And I kind of, yeah. I kept saying to John, like, what do we do? I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, no, just pray about it. Like when the time yeah. feels right, we'll have the answer. Like, let's not force anything. And there's no and wrong, that's a right really, answer for anybody. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I, I would say to somebody. If you're going through something, something you're trying to force something or doesn't feel right or someone's telling you to like have a funeral or have a this and it doesn't ring true to you, then it's not meant to be the way you're supposed to celebrate yeah. things. There's no one size fits all for a grief situation. Yeah. 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 And ultimately, <clears throat> you know, you go home to you and your husband, you have to do what's right for the both of Yeah, y'all. exactly. And we kind of have to do it as a team too. Yeah. I can't like tell John, well, I want it this way. And he, right. or he right. said, I want it this way. But you eventually did go to counseling, you said? Yeah, so John and I actually just recently started going oh, to counseling wow. together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, and how many years ago was this? Let's, so how old is Shelby? So Shelby is two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so like maybe Five months ago, John and I, I finally said, I've done the work. Right. I found a male and female couple counselor. And he's like, I've just, I was like, do you want to do it? And he's like, I've just been waiting for you to ask no. when. Like, it's just kind of <laughs> one of those things. He's like, I've always wanted to do it. He's like, but I was just waiting for you to say it was the right time for you. Why do you think it took so long? Why do I think it took so long? I think you get caught up in the busyness of life. It's yeah. easy to, yeah. and this is kind of what I was saying. I'm a busy person. Mm-hmm. I say yes to a lot of things. It's easier to do the busy minutia and make plans right. and like crowd your life with busyness than to deal with the problems. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so much easier yes. to yes. do the fun stuff or like take another workout class or yep. take on a third job yep. or whatever it is. Because then you occupy your brain with anything <clears throat> you but the pain. You occupy your brain instead of the pain. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, and you don't allow yourself to get deep. So, so at what point did you finally say, I, I, I need to do this? Yeah, I th- I think when um, I realized that like John and I had grieved that situation very differently, okay. like he and I started kind of talking about it. And I realized that two people, even though they're experiencing the same traumatic event, are going to experience it very yes, differently. Especially yeah. a mother and a father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like sisters grieving or, you know, siblings grieving their parents' death mm-hmm. is one thing, but a mother and a father yeah. both losing the same child mm-hmm. is got to be so different. Yeah. So even though we walked it all physically right. together, like the way we handled it emotionally was very different. How so? Um, I think John really focused a lot on just making sure I was okay. Okay. And didn't give himself time to maybe grieve for himself. Because you, you, you mentioned something <clears throat> to me, which I didn't even think. Mm-hmm. He's like, well... You know, I, we always say like the, the the mom, you know, you lose the baby because you're the one pregnant. Yeah. And, and a lot of people kind of forget the spouse right. this too, but it's happening to them as well. Right. And I think yeah, he said he, to you that. He said to me, he said, you know, you can go out and he'll tell a lot of people this when he talks about our story with friends. She could go out and every day she was pregnant and mm. somebody would say, oh, you're pregnant. What are you having? 
He said, I could go out every day and walk out and nobody knew what was going on right, in my head. Right. He's like, I could just be me and I right. didn't have to deal with the constant flood of maybe having to tell someone your story, maybe right. having to tell someone what's going on. So he said he just really focused on kind of making sure I was okay during that time yeah. and then yeah. focusing on our baby once she came. Right, right. Yeah, but it's such a grieving thing. Um, he even told me, I don't think he'd mind me sharing this. He had bought, um, at Christmas, he bought a card to write to her. He mm -hmm. writes really, he's such, he's so good with words. Um, he writes really beautiful cards to everybody every Christmas, everyone in the family, anyone who's close to him, he writes them a really Aww. sentimental card. Um, he's just so great at putting all his thoughts down on a paper. And he told me some months after that, in tears one night, he's like, you know, I bought a card for hope this Christmas and I didn't write in it. I feel so guilty. Um, and that just broke me for him. I was so sad. I was like, it's okay. Like, I, you know, he's just like, I just didn't, I couldn't put my thoughts together what I yeah. wanted to say. So that's what it made me kind of realize, like, he's got a lot of sadness from this situation too, that I can't necessarily help him. With. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that Aww. affects your marriage, obviously. For sure. For and, sure. And um, the older our kids get, the more important, the more you realize how you're raised right. is going to make how you raise your children Absolutely. differently. Like yep. it's going to make your marriage different. Yep. And ever, all these factors are coming into it. It changes things. So yep. we ultimately, I said to him, I said, okay, I finally met these counselors. He's like, great. Just been waiting for you to tell me when, like, I just wanted you to be the one to want to do it. He's like, I'm, I've always been down. And I think <laughs> that's so important that it's never too late to get help. Never. You know, never. even yeah. if 10 even years if, have gone by, it, it's absolutely. still, if it's still there, it's still going to be there. Of course. So you have to take responsibility and yeah. say, I don't want this to be like this mm -hmm. forever. It, it will never go away. Yeah. Right. But hopefully it'll get better and yeah. you're taking the steps and, um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got Pace, who is, is he five? He's five and a He's half. He's five and yeah. a half. And then Shelby, Shelby's who's two and a two half. And a half. Yep. So as they're getting older, mm -hmm. at what point do you tell them, especially Shelby, yeah. that, hey, you were a twin. We, yeah. we, lost a we lost a daughter. You lost a sister. Mm -hmm. That's a question I get a lot, too. Yeah. Like, how are you going to tell the kids about this? And I've read a lot of things of what other people have done. And I've had, I have some friends who, through the Heartstrings group I've met, and I've asked them. How are you going to handle yeah. this? So you kind of have to decide what's best for you again. Sure, sure. Um, and I've always made it very well known to Pace that mommy had two babies and one went to heaven early. Okay. Yeah. So he knows. He's known he knows he has two sisters. Yeah. He's like, there's Hope and Shelby, and Aww. Hope is in heaven with Grandpa Herb and Grandma Pearl <laughs> and all the other people. Right. And, you right. know, he can be very matter of fact sometimes too. It's funny. Like he had, the other day, he said, he said to our dog, Zoe, when are you going to die? Oh. <laughs> So it's funny when you're like, you're talking, trying to talk about these serious things with a five and a half year old and you think, oh right. gosh, they're going to take this so heavy. And sometimes they're just very matter of fact. Right. It's like, yep, they're dead. But also incredible to, I, I didn't have to deal with death <clears throat> until I hit 30 years old, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's almost an opportunity yeah, early. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. early. And, and to be able to actually talk to him about the emotions behind it. And hopefully mm -hmm. that will <clears throat> turn him into a teenager with a little yeah. bit more compassion and grace Absolutely. and a 20, that's you know so what I mean? Like, us. I think that's going to be a huge uh, godsend and yes. takeaway from this <clears throat> tragic situation that you now are raising yeah. a little boy that's going to turn into a man yeah. who knows how we have so much empathy. Emotion. He already, he was just born with a lot of empathy yeah. and a lot of 
mommy, why this person looks sad or like even characters in books like, oh, that that page made me sad. Or he also he'll look at pictures of when he's a kid and he'll say it made him sad. Like when he was a baby, he's like, because I'm not a little baby anymore. So he's a nostalgic, empathetic little guy. And yeah, so we've always talked about it with him early. And I think the older he gets, he kind of grasps it a little bit more. Maybe not when I was pregnant because he was only two and a half. But now at five and a half, he's understanding things a lot more. And then Shelby is two and a half and talking so much. And I recently just got a book um, that's called The Story of My Twin, Hope. Oh. And it's a really cute basic children's book, but it shows both the, both the babies with a little bow on their head mm-hmm. and the tummy. And you can get them made to um, have the kids' names in oh. them. So I've been reading to her that. Where, the last where did you find that book in case anyone is? Ooh, uh, it's called uh, lossbooks.com. Okay. So L-O-S-S books.com. Okay. Um, okay. It's from a lady in uh, England. So they do take like six weeks to arrive, <laughs> but worth the wait. Very cool. Yeah. And there's they ha- she has lots of different options. So if it's like a singleton pregnancy um, or losing like a pre- a twin after okay. they're born. So the books are specific to your situation. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a really sweet, very simple book and Shelby and I have been kind of pointing I'm like that's Shelby that's hope so mm. I'm introducing it early without like trying to force it to her yeah, yeah. yeah. or to make it feel heavy right. Like right now it's just it's it's a normal part of your life and again you know there's no judgment you got to do what's right uh-huh. for you but I I totally. would say it's important to talk about it mm-hmm. at some point because when you ignore it it's almost like taboo. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine like waiting till Shelby was 15 and being like, by the way, you were a twin. Like, right. ooh, that right. would probably hit me really hard if right. that happened to me. Like, and the or, amount of you guilt know. you might feel as a twin. And, yeah. and she's going to feel that probably she, yeah, anyways. That, yeah, we kind of worry about like, will yeah. she ever feel guilty that she was a surviving twin? Right. So trying to get ahead of that early and making this a part of her life. And as she asks questions, her already having kind of this base knowledge, we think it'll be helpful. And and it's, uh, you know, I think you making her hope is a part of life, Mm -hmm. right? It's not all about her death. She's still very much a part of our family. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that will hopefully help with the guilt that she'll feel one day or might feel one day. Yes. So I think that's huge. Yeah. That's really... Um, and just making it a comfortable thing to talk about that. It's not yeah. like everybody gets quiet if you right. mention baby hope. Or right, like right, right, mm-hmm. right. And I think um, you mentioned that there you have like a little box of hope stuff. Yeah. So that's the, how and, you kind of keep her yeah, alive around you. Yeah, we have a little you. box like with her footprints and her mm-hmm. handprints um, and just some kind of mementos from the hospital and from before. Um ultrasound pictures and things yeah, like that. So we have yeah. a little box and then just a lot of the really nice notes and cards that people wrote to us. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down her story. Like I took the time to detailed write out while it was fresh in my mind, each appointment we had and mm-hmm. detailed, um, kind of what went on so that I can refer back to it. And then if Shelby has questions when she gets older, I, I have all That's that. That's such a great, great, mm-hmm. um, thing to do that. Hopefully anyone, yeah who's listening can take Mm -hmm. away these things from you. Yeah. So anything else you want to add just as far as like what helped you kind of get through it and now, you know, Mm -hmm. going to see a counselor, even if it's a couple years later, anything else that really helps? It's never too late. Okay. Um, And, you know, John and I are, we're just really working like on our marriage now and 
the trauma of what we went through and past relationships are all things that we're digging into mm-hmm. with our counselors. And it's great because those Amazing. things are so difficult yeah. to talk about. Like the counselor will always be like, see, you are really emotional. I'm like, <laughs> oh, like I'm about to break down and cry. Like, see, this is hitting you really hard. Like, what is it? Dig yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, so Go there, I would right? tell people, yeah. And I, I, I had so many friends who were so amazing about being open about I'm seeing a counselor and like talking about that early that I'm grateful to those friends who set the seed for making that normal. Yeah. Like, thank you to you and the podcast and for people who are saying, yeah, my, I have a counseling appointment today at eight. Like, thank you for normalizing that because oh, thousand percent. like we all have a little yeah. something we can be working yeah. on and it's so hard to do alone. So seeking wise counsel and finding the right fit for you. Um, don't force it. I would right. say there was a couple counselors I looked at that probably wouldn't have been the right fit for John right, and I, right. and then deciding, you know, do you need to do it with your spouse? Do you need to do it individually? Like what are, what are you hoping to gain? Sure. Um, so I would say don't, yeah, there, it's never too late for sure. Okay, and to talk great. about it with friends, like your people who you think need to know that you're doing things so that they can make a decision to do something similar. Right. Like, yeah, don't, don't hold it in. Like it's don't so important. push it under because it's always going to be there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, let's just, let's flip the switch yeah. because you are pregnant again. <laughs> I'm pregnant again. That was never supposed to happen <laughs> at all. So Shop Pace, was closed. Pace took a year and a half. Yeah. And then, you know, the twins took a little while. And then yep. this one. And then this one just showed just up. Popped, yeah. Like so this God is was like, like, hey, guess what? Yeah. And I was, I was, it's just crazy. We, I think when you go through a pregnancy like that and my husband had always wanted two children. Yeah. So after this happened, he's like, okay, like we're done. We've got Shelby and Pace. Like we're moving forward as a family. We're a four pack, yep. you know? Yep. That's what we got here. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> find out somehow right before COVID hits the world that I'm pregnant and the other ones took so long to make, like right. we were going to make sure there weren't going to be any more and hadn't gotten around to that yet. And we find out we're pregnant. I didn't tell John for like three days because I was so worried what his terrified. reaction would be. I was terrified. Right, right. I called my sister immediately. I was like, I just took a pregnancy test and I'm pre- you're not going to believe it. I'm pregnant. She's like, I don't believe you. I'm like, yep. This is happening. But apparently also, so. like, if if you never have believed that things <laughs> happen for a reason, you believe it yes. now, right? You like, know, and you go through this traumatic pregnancy, and a part of me closed off even the possibility sure, of having more because sure. I didn't want to be pregnant yeah. again after that. Like, I don't want to go to that sad place yeah. again. Like, I don't want to put myself in a vulnerable position. And also, my husband's, we're in a good place. We've got two, we've right, got great right. jobs. Like, let's just enjoy life where we are. But God had other plans and I'm so grateful for that because we're so excited now and I'm about 20 weeks and this pregnancy has been really smooth. We're just really fortunate that it's been very different from the last one. And you're having a baby? Don't know. Ah. Not finding out. It's (laughs) a surprise. Yes. um, We figure the whole thing's a surprise. So we're going to keep the surprises rolling. And I remember when you told me your story, you know, in March, right before Uh everything hit and, and it, you told you we talked and then yes. it was the next day yeah and I was like so I've You're got like, a doctor's appointment and I'll talk to you when I know what the results of this are I was like no way I was yes. so excited for you it's so, really it's cool you know there's sure. got to be a, a sense of fear mm-hmm. right oh yeah every time you go to the, the doctor and, and yeah. 
pray for the heartbeat and yeah and, and just pray for a healthy okay but you've had all the the, the genetic testing everything, and all that yes we've everything's had all golden the things just had good. my 20-week ultrasound this good. week and everything looks really good Great. so this little baby will be joining the family sometime in october or very early november amazing yeah little, little so, football baby yeah so the little another little football baby yeah. all my kids are born in the fall so well, this is such just a beautiful must, story yeah, and i think it's going to be incredibly helpful for not only you know teens and 20 year olds struggling mm-hmm. with relationships but um grief and, yeah. and what it's like to lose a child and what it's mm-hmm. like to have other children to have to deal with losing a sibling yeah. I, I just um i'm so grateful you reached out Absolutely. and that you were willing to share your story mm-hmm. and um i just uh I can't wait to meet this little Thanks. one. Yeah. So and I would say I have people who hear our story, they reach out all the time when they have a friend going through something similar or um, they're experiencing. I've had a couple people who've lost a twin that have reached out to me and I've kind of walked them through that. So how can they get a hold out. of you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> My, what am I? I'm private, but send me a message. I'll find yes. you. I'm Kelly H Gator and I'm happy to talk to anybody going through any kind of, um, loss like this. And they can always reach out to me at six feet above yes, podcast and I will us. send them your way. Sure. And, um, yeah. like the more that we talk about this hard stuff, mm-hmm. the less hard it will be. Yep. Right. It's always yeah. going to be there, but, uh, you're never yeah, alone. Get connected and, with people who have been through, yeah. even if it's not the same as yours, like nothing's the same, but get connected with someone who can tell you you're not alone. Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you, Cal. This is amazing. Thanks, Meg. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going and feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denor Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly. I'll see you next time.